Eagle Nation. You're listening to Gotta Talk, a podcast dedicated to all things Georgia Southern football. Now, here's your hosts, Matt Monty and Cody Anderson. Eagle Nation, we are back with our next preview where we look at the offense, Georgia Southern's offense. Uh, the Eagles will take the field here in just a few days. The The countdown has begun to the 2020 season after everything that has gone on. It still uh, looks good that we're going to uh, attempt to play football this year, Cody. So uh, September 12th, a uh, season opener at home at Paulson Stadium against the Campbell Fighting Camels. We will talk about that in a later episode and kind of preview the season overall but this uh, this episode as we preview the defense and special teams last uh, uh last week we will look at the offense this week so looking forward to that yeah sure yeah um yep less than two weeks out um appears that that we're still marching forward um we even had our first actually official college football game this past weekend so that was great to watch um and so far, it seems like everything is so far so good with that. Um, I think Central Arkansas just got tested on Monday, and I think they have no positive tests, so that's good. So that looks good for the future, and um, you know, can't wait for the 12th to get here, man. I'm so pumped to see our Eagles play. Absolutely, and yeah, it will definitely be interesting to see, you know, after this week, obviously Labor Day week is is usually the big weekend where college football starts, you know, around the country, but it's going to look a lot different this year, you know, with, with you know, you've got a primetime game um, that you would never see uh, with, with Memphis and Arkansas State, a Sunbelt member, um, you know, facing off here on uh, on, on Saturday night, um, you know, and, and then you've got on Labor Day night, uh, Navy's playing, you know, so, so that's kind of cool. I mean, I think you and I like that because we, we like seeing some of these G5 teams get the exposure um, that, you know, again, they would never get on, on a Labor Day weekend with, you know, the SEC delaying their season until late September and the ACC kind of starting, um, you know, that that next week. I know a couple teams have games and, and some are starting kind of in mid-September. So um, that's really, you know, uh, going to be fun to see and also interesting to watch not just the games itself, but what happens from those games like you said, to see what comes out of, you know, the testing and all that once more teams begin to play. Yeah, so it's it's kind of, you know, like I said, hopefully this, this whole first weekend, first couple of weeks will go smoothly and then everybody will kind of get into a routine and we'll be able to kind of, you know, have football this whole uh, throughout the fall and into winter. So, I mean... It at this point it's just a wait and see type deal, but I'm I'm cautious cautiously optimistic about it. And so far, everything seems to be pretty good. Yep. So I guess some quick housekeeping stuff. I don't want to spend too much time on this, um, but and we'll move into the offensive preview. I mean, I, it's obviously worth noting that Georgia Southern did get their first. I guess confirmed uh, cases, or, or you know, with with positive test at least. Um, so. Of, of COVID-19, um, not a lot of details with it. Uh, you know, it, it I, I never saw a final number on that. Uh, obviously, they can't uh, or they don't have to release that information. So they said, you know, a small batch of numbers. Um, obviously, they had contact tracing and uh, people that were in close contact with those players. And we don't know if it's players, coaches, support staff, or, or a mix. You know, if I would imagine it was probably a mixed bag. But they obviously self-isolated and quarantined those people. 
And they were back and, and ready to go as of uh, last Friday. Obviously, they sat out uh, that day for um, a protest that was fully supported by the uh, coaching staff of uh, racial injustice that we're seeing in the country. So, um, you know, on, on that front, Cody, I guess, you know, it looks obviously, I, I think it's safe to say that we knew that would come, that, you know, positive tests would come at some point. And, you know, I don't think it's a situation necessarily of, of getting out of the way early, obviously, that, you know, that this could be the first of many. Um, but, you know, it, it's good to see that, A, it was a small number, and B, that it looks like everything was handled the correct way and that the protocols were followed and we were back ready to go, you know, fairly shortly after that. Yeah, they obviously had a plan in case this happened. And it looked like that everybody followed the plan and, you know, it looked like they were able to get back to practice as really as soon as possible and not really have to to take, you know, no more than a day or two before they were back. So that was good to see. Uh, you know, it's going to, this is, like we said, I think in one of the earlier episodes, this is going to happen. You know, it's just what what's the extent and severity in the breakout. Um, we know that Statesboro here in the last week or two has been, um, a pretty big hotbed. I think you've probably seen the the stuff. Come yeah, hot spot. I mean, top yeah, top ten. Top yeah, 10 I think they the moved country. moved into top. Uh, yeah, five and yeah. number six and in, in different categories of new cases per population is, is how they're doing it. So new, yeah. new positive cases mm-hmm. by the population. And if you look at that list, it's mostly college towns. You know, I think Auburn was you know uh, Auburn and and that that area of Alabama was number one or number two. And you know, you had several other ones on there. But yeah, it's it's definitely interesting to see. Statesboro, Georgia, on you know a list released by the New York Times or any you know any major publication like that, and usually when that's the case, it's not a good thing. So no, it's not. Um, ho- hopefully that gets under control. Yeah, and I think the mayor's supposed to talk about it today. Um, so we'll find out more information about that. But yeah, I mean, as of right now, you know, it's just not it's not the best of our ideal situations here in Statesboro. But I'm pretty confident that moving forward, that as long as we you know do our part, mass social distance, stuff like that, I hope we get calmed down. Here shortly yep so let's move now cody into that offensive preview excited uh for this it, it it should be a really exciting year just like with the defense you know with with a lot of guys returning and 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 you know stacked up front like we had said with that front seven um with the offense same kind of deal when you look at the skill position players. Everybody is returning from from your quarterback, um, even even your your backup situation, which I you know we'll talk about here in a minute. That that you know I'm really excited about the depth that we have there. Running back is loaded. Wide receivers are back, and then you know most importantly with the offensive line that was depleted last year. We we know this is broken record. We talked about it extensively, um, but you're returning a lot of talent and experience um, there as well. Let's hope they can stay healthy, but I'm really excited overall about uh, what this offense brings here in the third year under Bob DeBess. And, you know, I, I think with, with some of those things that happened, Cody, with, with the depleted O-line, obviously we, we've talked about it. You know, there were, you know, people out there in Eagle Nation that that wasn't happy with the offense last year. We debated it extensively, um, you know, in last year of who who's kind of to blame. Obviously, a lot of people pointed fingers at DeBess, but, you know, he, he kind of did what he could with what we had. And, and it's going to be interesting to see how the offense evolves this year, uh, barring that everybody is healthy with so much talent returning. Yeah, it's – I mean, I think when you look at it as a whole – 
on last year's offense. It's really hard to kind of put any blame on the coaching staff or anything along those lines when there were so many injuries and suspensions and everything in between for the offense last year. I don't think we ever really had our whole number one out there, number one team out there, I think, for any game. If you look at all the injuries and suspensions that occurred last year. So hopefully the offense won't get hit with an injury bug like it was last year. They can all stay healthy. If so, then this offense should really be um, pretty high impact, pretty pretty high scoring, and, and really tough to stop. Yep. So we were at uh, 28.1 points per game last year. 328 yards per game you know you'd like to see that points per game number go up over 30 you know we've talked about that before in the past that was kind of our goal from 2018 to 2019 that didn't happen you know because of some of the reasons we we just discussed but you know again with with everybody returning uh, with you know uh, to solidify that offensive line and and just all those skill players returning with that talent there you like to see that get over 30 points you like to see you know the rushing totals you know us be in that not even just top 5 you know top 3 get back to one or two in the nation and rushing you know competing with those uh, service academies um but also the passing game you know and and that's something that we have seen, you know, from the little bit that we've been able to see in fall camp and, and, and from the scrimmages and even dating back in the limited spring that we saw and kind of the, the social media offseason workouts of shy and all this kind of stuff. It looks like we are putting an emphasis on the passing game. And that is, you know, I don't think that's a, a red alert or, or to, to fly your flag or anything like that. It's it's not a panic button situation like we may have seen in the past. I, I think, you know, that's a natural evolution of this offense. And I think it is something that Bob DeBess and, and his staff wants to do. And I think that shy and everyone else on the offense are, are more than capable of doing that. So I, I'd like to see Cody, you know, our offense evolve where, you know, we're, we're still a run based team. Obviously we're still an option based team, but we're able to incorporate that passing game and, and improve there and, and not rely on it solely from a, panic situation of, of, you know, third and long and you're forced to throw or, or maybe, you know, try to catch the offense off guard with a with a bomb on first down and be able to, you know, just incorporate some high efficiency passing plays with multiple options there into your your attack, you know, from, from first down to third down or, or fourth down and so forth. Yeah, well, the the big I think phrase has been throw it when they want to throw it, not when they have to, right? Not not being in a position to where they have to then throw the ball. Um, it sounds great. It's I think it's kind of one of those things in which I'll believe it when I see it. You know, um, it, it would be nice to have a have a actual passing attack that is sound that when you have a team that's like, you know what, we're going to put nine, ten guys in the box and we're going to dare you to throw it. And, you know, if we can actually then take those situations and actually throw the ball and successfully move the ball down the field to where defense then have to say, okay, well, we're going to have to kind of spread out, maybe take one or two guys out, only put seven guys um, in the box, and that should really open up holes and and, and, and allow our running game to kind of really dominate. And like that would be fantastic to see. Um, if you look at some of our more successful teams throughout the years, you look at the the eighty five, eighty six teams, and and the Paul Johnson teams that would go on to win 
championships, you would see that those quarterbacks had pretty large passing yards um, in those seasons. They may not throw the ball all the time, but they had significant yardage throughout the season um, and knew when and how to throw it, and, and they weren't afraid to throw it either. So if, if we can establish that this season with our offense, then the sky's the limit for what we can do. Uh, yeah, I but mean, that, that, it's, but it's yeah. to, but to me, I'm not going to believe that we can do that until I actually see it happen on the field. Sure, I mean we we've we've talked about this before, right? I mean, so so I I I agree with you that it's 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 interesting to talk about, but yeah, like like you said, you'll believe it when you see it. With but I do I do think that while this is a recurring kind of topic of conversation it seems like not just since we've been recording this podcast now for three seasons but um also you know even dating back before that you know it seems like every preseason we're like well this is the year we're going to incorporate more yeah passing. We're this is the year we're going to pass it more and so 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 yeah you're you're absolutely right but i i will say just from you know following this team for a very long time and looking back at the history you know well before that like you said to to the 80s teams and things like that I do feel like we are well positioned where if it's going to happen, this could be the year that we take that not just small step, but big step in the passing game. Now, I'm not saying that we turn into LSU and we're lining up the scoreboard left to left to right yeah. on, on, on passes. But with with the talent that we have returning and which we'll talk about here in a minute with with the running backs and then again, the talent we have returning on the offensive line, as long as they stay healthy we're going to be able to move the ball even, you know, when guys are, are, are stacking the box. So if we can establish any semblance of a passing game of just a regular passing game, when again, it's not in those kind of panic desperation situations, it's going to open things up where we will easily move into that top five, top three, you know, number one spot rushing. And then also, not be dead last in the nation and in, in, in passing, you know, not be down there with the, you know, I, I don't, I don't think we're going to be in the top 30 or anything like yeah. that. But I mean, if we could be in the top 70 and then be in the top five and rushing, that would be amazing. You know? So I, I, I think, I think that, well, and I, I think, think we have is, potential to do that. What is our passing even going to look like? Like, I think we've, I think you and I have discussed this to where it would, it would be great to have an RPO style package with our offense, right? It just, would flow with our triple option spread type deal that we got going on. But I don't know how easily that is to, to put into the offense. I don't know the the passing game or the passing tech. Is it going to be something that, that's going to be difficult for defenses to defend? Or is it going to be a simplistic type of a passing offense that, you know, once when they see it on film after two or three games, it's going to be pretty easy to defend and stop. Yeah, I mean, I I think what you've seen in the past, you know, with us is kind of those those one option type looks, right? Not so much RPO. It's just kind of like you you like I said, you either on on first down try to go for that home run ball to Darren Anderson, or you know maybe maybe do like a quick slant route or something on on the third down, and and it's the quarterback's not going through the progression. That's not necessarily on shy. That's just kind of like the play call of like, okay, this, this is your option. This is who you're throwing to. I think one with the progression of shy and, and how much work he's put in the off season, I, I do think he's going to make a huge leap in the passing game. Um, so I would like to see from a play calling standpoint, you know, put him in the best situation to succeed, whether that is an RPO, which, which I would kind of like to see of, of something where, you know, you open up the run game for him because you know we we, we saw him he was obviously a, you know, a efficient runner last year 
But if you if you put him in more situations where he has maybe not just one, but but two passing options. Maybe he can also hand the ball off, but he can also run it. So, if it, you know, open up the field a little bit more, um, not just on you know design quarterback runs, but you know those kind of RPO style um, plays where you have multiple options, and you know it, it's kind of that triple option, but the the pass is incorporated into that. You know, I, I think that could be really dangerous with Shy at the helm. Um, to to just kind of open up all the possibilities of what he has in his skill sets. Yeah, but I, I, again, I think this is kind of the frustration of not being able to go and watch practice or see a scrimmage is you don't really know what what they got, right? Like, yeah. and they're always not going to say for good reason. I mean, that's that's obvious. Um, but what I would like to see is that whatever it is, whatever sort of passing attack or whatever passing offense that we have I would like to kind of see it on display against Campbell right like this is a team that we should we should beat this is a team that that we should be able to kind of move the ball up and down let's go ahead and and, and throw our, our passing offense out there and who cares if it's on tape you know let's just go ahead and do it practice it execute it and and be like look this is what you're going to to contend with either you can try to stop us passing the ball or running the ball, but you're surely not going to do both. Yep. No, I, I, I completely agree. And, and we, we kind of talked about that previously and, and we'll, we'll preview uh, Campbell here in the, in the next episode, but I agree. I, I, I think even though, you know, yes, we could just run the ball, you know, 40 times or whatever, you know, hand, hand the ball off, not even to, to all our running backs, just one guy and, and, and probably beat Campbell. But I, I think it's an opportunity to, to treat as, as, as kind of, you know, a, an exhibition of, of, of being able to, you know, open up the playbook. And, and that's something that we haven't always seen with, the, with those kind of lesser opponents with your FCS opponents and things like that. You've kind of seen us be a little bit more conservative, just kind of running the ball and, and, and feeling things out. I, I would like to see us, you know, kind of open up the playbook and, and kind of show what, what we're trying to do, you know, yeah. in, in week, in week six or seven um, there in week one. Um, so yeah, so I mean that, that that will definitely be interesting to see, and, and it definitely is a wait and see thing. But I, I do feel good about it. I'm uh, hope I hope I'm right because I, I I have a feeling that's going to be a big year. Let's transition into that into the position groups, starting with quarterback, which we've already talked about. Obviously, that starts with Shy Wirtz. Returning for a senior year, um, a lot of depth this position, a ton of depth. So that's something that we haven't always had right at recently i mean i i honestly think you know it maybe maybe it's not an ellison upshaw type dynamic you know i, I don't think it's going to be a, pl- a platooning situation or anything like that but that obviously is, is what a lot of uh eagle fans at least uh you know in in kind of the modern era you know uh, 10 uh, 20 well, years we had or so. success with it right like if we right. didn't have success with ellison and upshaw kind of platooning like they did then i don't think anybody would really be like oh yeah let's do that again right um but we had success with it now I'm kind of in the camp of that you don't platoon, but I understand why people are 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 proponents of it. It makes sense, especially when you saw it work so well, like it did under under Rouge's offense um, with Ellison and Upshaw. 
Yeah, I just I want to make one thing clear. I don't think that we should be or will be platooning quarterbacks this year. <laughs> I, th- I think yeah, Shy Words yeah. is your QB one. I think he will stay your QB one. My my point with that is basically that I think from a depth standpoint that it, you know it's been since the Ellison and Upshaw years that we've had this much depth at the quarterback position. So I feel very confident that if you know God forbid something should happen to Shy you know, injury or otherwise, whatever, that we can bring in Justin Tomlin, who got quality reps last year, obviously, you know, uh, won a game against Maine, uh, you know, nearly beat Minnesota there in a top 10 team later in the season. So it, I, I think, you know, we're really solid and obviously depth, and we'll talk about that here in a second, uh, behind him as well. Um, so feel really good about the quarterback position. I don't think it will be a platooning situation, but should shy, you know, let's not say even, you know, obviously it's not going to be like a, every other series or every third series or something like that. But if, if he gets banged up where it's not missing, you know, the rest of the game, but we just need Tomlin to come in for a series. I feel really confident in that. Yeah. Um, no doubt. Tomlin played really well last year when he had the opportunity to. So I don't think there's really any question about if, Tomlin comes in and take over. Will the offense still succeed? I think that's that's been answered, and that's a that's a you know that's a yes. Uh, the questions really get to when what would happen if if both Shy and Tomlin are out? Then where do we go? And that I don't think we had really an answer for that last year. Um, this year it seems like we do. You have the the redshirt I think senior. A uh, grad transfer from from Walford. That's yeah, that's Mi- there. Miller. Yeah, Miller Mosley, and he got he got quality playing time at Walford. I believe played in all twelve games. Wasn't their starting quarterback, um, but but got a lot of playing time. You know, uh, can run the ball through the ball a little bit too. Um, obviously, well, it's you know, Walford, so yeah. he knows how to run the option. He knows how so. to run the option. They're flex bone, obviously. You know, they're they're old school flex bone, but um, they you know having having a guy like that, you know, kind of like a. Um, you know, well, like sort an, of like a like a J, like a Jabo Shaw, yeah, just yeah. just a guy coming in with experience. Maybe not going to be the most talented guy on the field, right? But I mean, comes out there and and has the confidence. Uh, you know, has taken significant snaps at the collegiate level that can come in. You know, as your as your third option. That's huge. I mean, that is huge. Yeah. yeah. So I I feel confident that that God forbid something would happen to to both. Tomlin and, and, and Shy for whatever reason, even if, you know, it doesn't have to be anything major, just something minor to both of them. They just get a little banged up or whatever. Even when we get down to the third guy, it should he should at least be able to run the option part of the offense and that we should still, still be pretty, you know, not going to say um, full steam ahead, but we should be able to move the ball up and down the field. Well, the, the big thing with that, with the running backs that we'll talk about here in a second and how loaded we are, you know, at that position is, is yeah, just again, bring somebody in that can just run the offense. We don't need, yeah. you know, ju- just a game manager at that point. And it seems like this kid from Wofford, you know, would be able to do that. And, and certainly we know Justin Tomlin would be able to do that. So it's it's not, they don't have to put the team on their shoulders and do everything like we've exactly. seen out of, like we've seen out of Shy exactly. in the past. You just bring a guy in that, you know, knows how to snap the football, uh, you know, knows how to make some decision making here. Uh, uh, but you know can hand the ball off and and just kind of run the offense and, and most importantly not turn over the ball you know so yep. I, I I think we have that and that's something that yeah we we didn't really know if we had you know going into last year and and certainly didn't really have any years before that you know dating back um you know to uh to those Ellison and Upshaw years yeah and then you look at you I think we have what three freshmen behind that yeah um, so that Sam, Sam Kennerson uh you know he's 
he's a smaller guy uh, talk, talking about, you know, the, the Ellison's of the world and then even going back to like the Jason Foster's, you know, at five, nine, but uh, he's, he's a fast kid can also sling the ball um, out of the uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So, you know, it, it would be, no, exciting to see um, if he gets any playing time this year, maybe in that Campbell game, um, you know, that uh, that red shirt rule uh, is still, you know, in effect with the four games and whatnot. So, um, you know, we'll be interesting to see what comes out of him. And then uh, you've got some uh, another freshman that I'd be interested to see play, um, if not. This year, then, you know, going in next spring, um, you know, uh, hopefully when everything gets back to normal, we have blue-white game and all that kind of stuff. Uh, a name that you might hear in the future is uh, Connor Solgeski uh, out of uh, Maris High School. Put up big numbers there. Obviously, that is a, a well-known, you know, kind of powerhouse uh, uh, program here in Georgia. And, it, uh, you know, he... He ran a similar offense, I believe, you know, there, there at Marist. And um, he, he's got some wheels on him, can also uh, throw the ball. So, um, I, like I said, really excited about the quarterback position, something that I, I wasn't really confident, uh, you know, in uh, at, at this point last year. Well, yeah, as far as depth-wise, yeah, I think depth. we've always been confident right. and shy. Sure. But depth-wise, it was just like, well, you know, it's like it is what we got. Yep. So. Um, but this year, yeah, it seems like we're we're pretty deep, and hopefully it'll give these these young guys a a good opportunity to learn and to be mentored by you know Shy and the and Tomlin and the kid from Walford. So it's it's good. I like the balance that they have between kind of veteran kids and then and then obviously freshmen. Yeah, yep, absolutely. So. You know, now let's turn to running backs. Like I said, we um, we are loaded at this position. So, you know, last year you had Logan Wright coming in. Um, you know, he was going to be your your number one, and then you had J.D. King and and had the the transfer waiver and all that that we were talked about, and and that got approved. And and thank God it did because uh, Logan Wright, you know, missed most of the season uh, with an injury after you know put, putting up good numbers and the little bit that he played. Um, but he, uh, we, we needed King. So, so King stepped in, obviously Wesley Kennedy returns, um, as a senior as well. And it will be interesting to see how this offense under Bob DeBess uses uh, Kennedy now that we have so much depth at this position. So again, this is, this is unlike quarterback, obviously you're not normally going to have more than two quarterbacks or more than one quarterback on the field with, with our offense. Um, it is, uh, definitely possible to have two maybe even three running backs on the field at a time so you know how will that look now that we have logan wright wesley kennedy and jd king all returning and 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 talent behind them with guys like matt laroche yeah um you know all i think leading up to this season you've heard a lot of kennedy and and jd king and, and rightfully so they they played really well for us going down the stretch last season um but to not hear much about Logan Wright with as well as he's done for us his previous two seasons before he got injured is 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 kind of shocking. It's like, you know, I don't mind people not talking about him because then we can kind of, you know, kind of like the like sneak attack almost. Um, but you got Kennedy, King, Wright. I mean, that's a lot of talent in, in with those three guys. And, and not only talent, but... Kennedy, I mean, uh, King and Wright are huge running backs. I mean, it's yeah. they're not easy to tackle. And they're going to put a, some bruising on some defensive lines and linebackers this season. And, 
You know, it's kind of one of those things in which they may not get a whole lot in the first or second quarter, but come second half, you know, those hits are going to take effect on, on opposing defenses, and that should open up holes and allow Kennedy more space. And it's – there's not enough words to describe how excited I am to see these running backs hit the field this year because, as you said, it's, it's loaded. You get into – after those three, you got LaRoche, which we all know how quick he is. You have uh, Gerald King, who – the few times that he was able to get out onto the field flashed um, his talents and, and, and what looked like could be greatness from him in years to come. You also have the freshman Jalen White, who we've seen about in in the scrimmages, who've put up really good numbers yep. and has, has flourished in there. So you just go down the list and you look, you know, you don't see a weak spot. It's like whoever goes out there, you know, one, can, can break it for a touchdown two is not going to be easy to tackle and three are tough as nails and if you hit them hard they're going to jump right back up and run right down your throat again so you can't you can't say enough good things about this group as a whole and obviously they're coached by coach foster who's amazing as running back coach so you know it's it's I guess that this is an exciting group. This is one of the main reasons I wanted to hope for us to get to play because this talent level at this position is just so deep and they're all so good. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, honestly, this might be the most excited I've been in a long time about our running uh, back core. I mean, honestly, I mean, and, and, and that and that isn't said lightly because, I mean, look at all the talent that we've had, uh, you know, know. Uh, in, 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 in the recent era of, of Georgia Southern football and the FBS era. Um, obviously, you've got two quarter, you know, two running backs in the NFL right now, you know, that 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 might be starters and in uh, McKinnon and um, and Brita. But, you know, you you look at this group and, you know, we didn't really know what we were going to get out of J.D. King. Obviously, he, you know, lived to expectations. And then, um, like you said, getting Logan Wright, having all that depth back, it's it's kind of a catch 22 situation where it's like you you know wh- where do you distribute uh, distribute the ball right where you know you've got so much talent you know how, how do you get all these uh, touches in um, with all these guys but I think the the positive and you, and you touched on it there is is with um with that depth, you know, you're not just relying on one guy. You're not like a lot of these other teams that you're going to see that has their one stud, but they run him into the ground, you know, and he's getting 30 touches yeah. a game and he's just dog tired at, at, at the end. You can bring in a guy like Logan Wright that maybe doesn't even play in the first half or maybe gets one or two snaps and you bring him in late in the third quarter or fourth quarter and he's just running over folks, like you said, and, and just wearing down defenses. Yeah. And, and to be able to have that and then mix in a guy like LaRoche and get him in uh, you know, on a in and around or something in the fourth quarter, and and he comes in with fresh legs. You know, it's it's like it's like in soccer when you bring in the guy, you know, off off the bench, you know, late in, in late minutes, and and it's like you you can you can tell like this guy is so much fresher than everybody else. To have that, I think, uh, you know, at, at the running back position is just invaluable. I mean, it really is to to be able to. Um, just rotate in guys, you know, as needed when when people need breaks and not really lose anything yeah and uh the thing that we all were that we're overlooking and what's so also great about this is this group is that they all can block um you know and that is just as important as them running or, or hitting holes and, and and breaking off big runs if you go back and look logan wright great blocker jd king great blocker laroche um, great blocker. I mean, it's not that they just can run the ball really well, but when they're asked to do 
the the non flashy or the thing that that's, that's not going to get them the headlines or not going to get noticed on the stat sheet, they can do all those little things really really well as, as also. Yeah. So you know it's um you can't like I said you can't say enough good things about this unit. Uh, they're talented. They're deep. They're strong. They're big. They're fast. Uh, you know, over the last couple of seasons, you can tell that the whole protecting the football and, and not turning it over and Eagles don't be Eagles has been a huge thing with this offense. And hopefully that should continue. We don't see any other reason why it shouldn't. Um, so I think, I mean, man, it's, it's gets to, I think you have great quarterback play. We have two great quarterbacks that can take the helm. You have a, just a plethora of running backs behind them that you can throw out there. I mean, it, it really, this really should be, a, a phenomenal season for this offense. And we're only kind of halfway um, through talking talking about yeah, the offense. I know, I know. <laughs> but you know, but because I think we'll get into the two position groups in which you know we're like, hold on, okay, now we can kind of pump the brakes on things. And but yeah, when you're looking at your two main ones right here with an option offense between quarterback and running back, you can't say enough two good things about these two position groups. They're just they're just loaded with talent and potential and veterans and it's 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 exciting to see it should every eagle fan should be really excited to see what these the running backs and quarterbacks should be able to do this year yeah completely agree and as we transition into these other position groups with uh, wide receivers let's start with that Let's talk about Wes Kennedy a little bit because obviously he's he's one of those running backs we mentioned, um, but we we've seen him in the slot before. We've seen him you know put out wide, so let's kind of use him as our transition mark here into the wide receiver unit. You know now that we have Logan right back and all that talent at running back, you know obviously you want Wesley Kennedy on the field as much as possible and you want him touching the ball as much as possible. I don't think that changes. I think it's safe to say he is our, our playmaker on offense. So how do you see him now that we have all that depth and all that talent back at the running back position, maybe being utilized a little bit differently um, than you saw last year of, of him being incorporated maybe into the passing game a bit more? So, so I guess your question is: Is do we put him back in the slot like he was his sophomore season? Like rotate him in. Obviously, I I, I think he's still okay. going to get touches. Yeah, at, at running back. I mean, I think he's still going to uh, be be uh, split out at slot and, and and get option pitches and things like that on on rollouts. But you know, yeah, be able to move him a little bit around, not just in the backfield, but but put him out wide every now and then and and incorporate him in that passing game. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure that's somewhere in their in their playbook I just don't know you know they were pretty adamant as far as moving him out of the slot into a running back position last year and I don't think and that hasn't changed so I mean will there be do you think that was based on need though do you think that was based on just the the need of of you know lose I I know that kind of happened before we lost I think if there was any more yeah if there's any more of a need it would be more of a him a need in slot I I think in last year's offense Right. right um but I think you just you, you know that in the slot position, the availabilities to get to touch the ball is limited. Um, and I think moving him to the running back allowed him the opportunity to have more touches. Uh, so I don't see him. I don't know. It, that's it's a tough question, just because you can see you can see both sides of it, right? You can see him being in the slot. You can see him being in a running back. You can see him switching out in uh, between both. But I guess my question is, is I don't know what's best. And I think for me, just looking at it, 
he did really well in the running backs. I don't want to like throw that vibe off. Sure. I don't want to throw that off at all. Um, so I would keep him there. Obviously, you're going to have him probably in motion sometimes. You may have him lying up in the slot, but it's like you have it's really like a two running back look. You just have him lined up there and you need emotional man or whatever. But it's, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that they're really going to tweak that a whole lot. I think you have Caleb Hood there that, that's going to take over that position pretty well. Yep. Um, so I don't, I don't really see him going a whole lot in that slot position, if any at all. Sure. I think he stays mainly as a running back. And that it's really, you know, do you use them as a dive or pitch? Yep. And that's going to be the big question. Gotcha. So, you know, mo- moving on, you mentioned Caleb Hood. So so let's talk about that slot position uh, as we move into the wide receivers. Um, you got Caleb Hood. You've also got Malik Murray uh, coming back for his senior year, uh, you know, behind him and, w- you know, with some playing time and, and some quality catches. So, uh, you know, two guys, you know, excited about them. Um, and, and, you know, Hood, we've, we've seen a little bit out of, um, you know, just a sophomore but seen some good things in, you know, uh, spring games and, and, and scrimmages and things like that. Um, you know, didn't get a ton of playing time or didn't get a ton of like, uh, catches and stuff last year, but, uh, excited to see what he brings, especially as we incorporate more passes into this offense. Yeah. And this is the one position group that is talented, that has a lot of young talent in it. Um, but we just don't know really, I think what we got depth wise, you always have Darian Anderson, who is going to, you know, he's he's a big playmaker. Um, you have Malik Murray, who can make big plays. Um, but after that, it's like you, you you have some of these young guys that we recruited the last couple of years. It's like, all right, you know, who's going to who's gonna step up and, and, and be that next guy and be the person that takes over, can show flashes that, all right, once when these seniors move on, whether it's next year or the year after, that, that they're going to take over and they're going to be the, the big-time receivers in this offense. So I think that's going to be the key, and then also how are they? You know, how are they going to get used in the passing offense? How how what extent are we going to rotate these guys in and out? What how what's their chemistry with shy, and and then also you know how well do they block in the run game? Because that's obviously how they get on the field. If they can't block, they're not going to be out there. Right. And and yeah, I, I I'm I'm excited to see Darion Anderson. I mean, that, you know, that's the name that. I think, you know, obviously the wide receivers don't get a ton of attention at Georgia Southern ever, but, um, you know, it, it's a name that I think with, with most of Eagle Nation will come up when you talk about this wide receiver unit. What's interesting, you know, when I'm looking at the stats and stuff, we, we you know, once again lost our number one guy this time in, in Mark Mashad. He led the team with 271 yards. Um, uh, Malik Murray, who I mentioned, was number two with 195. Anderson, for the second straight year, was our third uh, receiver with just 116 yards um, on the year. Obviously, he's kind of that uh, home run threat that we see. You know, super fast guy. Uh, you know, can can break the coverage and get open on on those deep balls from shy. But uh, you know, really excited to see kind of you know if we use him and and how we use him in in this offense. Again, if, if if we throw the ball more, not just on those big uh, bomb plays, but you know, on like some slant routes, go routes, things like that, um, where you know, uh, short passing game, but also kind of that intermediate passing game. Yeah, I'd like to see some of these guys get uh, get some quality reps and catches. Yeah, even if it's like the old hatch attack bubble screen type deals, sure. you know, like. Just something to where it forces the defense to spread itself out and and allow um, the option to to have more room to, to to breathe. You can say and and to really take advantage of of defenses not being kind of caught in the middle. Well, do we defend pass? Do we defend run? You know, I think 
at least in the in the beginning part of the season, you're going to see teams just be like, well, if they can beat us throwing the ball, it'll beat us throwing the ball. So it's going to be interesting to see is is do we take advantage of that? Do we show teams that yeah, we can beat you throwing the ball too? Yep. Because I don't think I don't think defenses are going to are going to change their strategy against us until we actually show hey we can actually throw the ball and score consistently two three touchdowns yeah consistently yeah, two, and against and this. against good defenses too you know against. Yeah. You know, not just Campbell, you know, uh, but but like show it against FAU, then show it against Louisiana, then show it against App, you know, and then I think w- once you know if we're able to do that, and that's a big if, um, yeah, then then in the second half of the season, I think you'll start seeing teams respect us a bit more on on that side. Um, yeah, but let's move to tight ends. Let's not overlook them. Um, you know, wrap them in with the wide receivers. Obviously, you know that's a position that is really important. It's it's, it's easily overlooked i think in in especially in an option offense but you you mentioned perimeter blocking there uh with the wide receivers and you're not going to get on the field un, uh, unless you uh, you know can block and want to block um tight ends that's that's why we need them you know in, in, in this style of offense you know they're they're not going to get their name called a lot they're not going to get a lot of you know reps or, or catches or targets um but they're out there to block obviously the big news i think in this area is bringing in doug roos former offensive coordinator um coming in you know, what? and and obviously had a lot of success when when he was the OC with us under Fritz. Um, not just the offensive itself with Brita and all that, but with those tight ends. You know, our if you go back to those games um, in 2014-15, our perimeter blocking was fantastic. And you know, on those runs with Brita and on those rollouts of where he's reversing field left and right, yeah, that's a lot of talent on on his end, um, no question. But you know, those those blocks downfield and on the perimeter make a huge difference in, in making this thing go. And I'm excited to see what comes out of this unit, um, both you know from from the tight ends and the wide receivers when it comes to that perimeter blocking. And I think Doug Roos will only help that. You know the the names as far as tight ends, you've got uh, Bo Johnson. Um, you know he's he's actually listed. I'm looking at Phil Stills' book here. He's actually listed as our number one. Obviously, Cam Brown um, is returning. He's a senior, six two, two thirty five. So hopefully, you know we we hear these names more, and and you know they do get some catches, and and that's that's another wrinkle that we can throw into the passing game of of using. You know you see so often the tight end uses that kind of safety valve, and you know maybe we incorporate some RPO and and you know Wirtz has the option to hand hand off to a West Kennedy or take it himself or kind of throw like a little jump ball to Cam Brown, you know, in the end zone. I'm, I'm hoping we see these names. I hope we see these guys incorporate a little bit more in the offense just to, again, open things up even more, give us more options of versatility and uh, scare the hell out of defenses. Yeah, and honestly, Matt, I think with as many options that we have at running back and, and wide receiver, it's not going to hurt my feelings if I don't see their names as far as being pass <laughs> attempts or thrown sure. to. Um. My biggest thing is that I need to see their blocking be a lot better than it was in, in 2018. I think one of the things that we didn't realize um, is how well Ellis Richardson blocked yep. for us 100%. in that tight end position. Yep. Uh, and he did he played that position really well. Now, he got a lot of the, the accolades for how well he can run routes and how well he could pass and how fast he was and how just tough of a matchup he was for linebackers and safeties. But go back through and look and especially in the 2017 season and just look how well he blocked and and he knew who to block and there wasn't much hesitation now go back and look at that last year's tape or in in C or not 2017 gosh what I'm talking about 2018 
um, with electrician. Go back and look now at 2019 at a tight end position and see, you know, you look at some of the film and you can see, all right, well, a tight end just didn't block anybody or they look kind of lost or they got to the to the spot late and, and they end up, you know, not really blocking the defender they should and that person still gets hit, but they able to move past the block and, and skirt it off and, and hit it and stop the stop the play. So I'm excited that Doug Roos is here. He obviously knows the offense. He knows what the tight ends have to do. There should be really no questions in regards to this. And this isn't to say anything bad about Coach Dodge, who was the tight end coach beforehand, but there's really no comparison in the level of expertise with this sure. position coach when, you, when Doug Ruse comes yeah. into this. So this should this position, if anything else, the blocking should improve immensely. And and he understands that it takes a a a tough mentality and a in a nasty and a, and, a, and a, just a cutthroat mentality when you play this position that you just have got to be mean and you've got to be willing to want to just hit somebody and then drive them 20 yards back and throw them into the ground and that's how you have to play this position yeah absolutely yep i agree so with moving uh from that to the offensive line you know final unit we'll talk about here obviously super important unit got everything runs through them and we saw Evidence of that last year with, again, just how depleted they were. And, you know, at times, I mean, you know, these are Coach Lunsford's words and not mine that we were playing with the scout team offense at, uh, or the scout team offensive line at times last year. Um, that's how depleted we were. So it is going to be so important to, uh, you know, have some of these guys back. You know, we have um, six guys return with starting experience, uh, which which is huge. And, and you know, we, we had – some of that last year, but, you know, we just had those injuries. But you've got Brian Miller returning, who who missed all of last year, you know, with that preseason uh, hip injury. you got Aaron Dowdell, uh, who missed half the season returning. You've got uh, Drew Wilson, who filled in for Brian Miller last year and did that really well. Um, you know, he, he returns. And I think, you know, the, the biggest question mark here is the uh, center position. You know, we, we lost Jacob Cooper. We lost uh, Peyton Backer. Um, you know, that was another position that we saw a lot of injuries at and kind of saw, you know, trial by fire with guys coming in. You know, we saw some bad snaps here at times. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see how we solidify that position. But overall, really excited to see um, this offensive line play. And I think it's going to be much improved from what we saw last year. Yeah, if the big question is if they stay healthy. If they stay healthy, then this position group should be fine. I know that they brought in uh, the, the I think it's a JUCO transfer from Hawaii that should, I think, take over that center position. Yep. So that's good, but at the same time, I don't, who do we have to back him up? You know, like who's, if he gets, if he goes down, who takes over? So uh, to me, that's the biggest question overall is, is that, you're going to have your bumps, you're going to have your bruises. It's it's inevitable that that your starting five on week 1 is going to still be your starting five the last game of the season and that they've all played together the entire 11, 12, 13 games, right? That just doesn't happen. Right. So the you're going to have one or two guys go down. It's just do you have the depth, which I think we do, to take over. I think the only place where I've kind of questioned the depth that is just really that center position you know I think if somebody unfortunately goes down in the guards or tackles I think we have players there that can take over and 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 perform well obviously pretty much all the guys on the offensive line should have game experience just from 
all the injuries that we had last year. So it's not like you really should be throwing anybody really green out there that hasn't played a college football game. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, at the same time, you have COVID going around. So you never know if somebody gets it and they're going to have to be gone for two weeks um, or that they'll wait two weeks because they're quarantined or whatever the case may be. So it's it's a group that I have a lot more confidence in than probably what most would have considering, you know, kind of how depleted they were last year and how kind of uh, beat up they were. But there's a lot of talent there. There's a there's a lot of talent there, and I think they're hungry, and I think they want to prove something, especially with the way the last season went. Yeah, and, and the COVID thing is an interesting aspect of it too, right? Like you said, because you know, obviously injuries is what we had to, you know, there there's another thing that we have to worry about. You know, we 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 talked yeah. about it in previous episodes, but you know, you in in most seasons you have injuries on the field stuff and then you have off the field stuff academic you know probation uh you know get in trouble with the law you know but now you have that that third kind of caveat with with covid and and obviously you know your most fans are, are gonna think about your star players oh oh man what if what if it's shy what if it's west kennedy what if it's you know jd king um or or one of your star you know defensive players but what if it's offensive player or offensive lineman? What if it's, you know, th- that entire group that, that, you know, infects each other? Like, you know, like we've talked about in previous episodes of, of you get, um, get one of those, uh, you know, um, unit rooms there that, uh, you know, and the infection spreads, you know, so if, if yeah. you lose three, four guys, or like you said, maybe they're not even sick, but they just have to be quarantined and follow protocol that that's going to be huge. So, you know, and, and that's obviously something that, every team's going to have to deal with. Um, but, you know, it is, I think, worth mentioning. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because, you know, we hopefully will stay healthy and we, we have the talent there, but that's another thing that we have to worry about now of, you know, if that strikes, that it's, you know, it's not just the fear of losing someone like a shy words, but the sheer, uh, the, the uh, fear of losing someone like a Brian Miller again or Drew Wilson, you know, even if it's just for a few weeks, um, you know, to, uh, and, and just out of abundance of, of precaution and, you know, they're not, they're not sick or anything like that. Um, that's, that's something to, you know, note for sure. Yeah. And I think we hit on it in one of our earlier episodes, but the adversity and the constant injury bug that, that kind of hit our team last year, I think only strengthens our team for this season because we really had to have that next man up mentality last year. Otherwise we, we shouldn't have, we wouldn't have won seven games. Um, we would have only won like three or four if we didn't have that sort of toughness and, and that, that edge to us already. But now that we went through a season like we did last year in which it seemed like nothing uh, went right as far as injuries or that there was always something going on and there's, it was just never just a, a calm season in, in terms of that the players could only just focus on, on the games. Now you had this whole COVID mess and it's like, all right, you know, we've kind of already been through this once. And when I look at this offense, if I see anybody that has to go down for whatever reason, injury, COVID, whatever, I look at them like, wow, there's quality backups. There's people that I know that have played and that we really shouldn't skip a beat. And 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 that says to th- that's a lot better position than most teams are right now. Yeah. You know, I think if if you see some certain teams, if they get hit here, they get hit there, they're they're done. I look at our team defense offense and 
you know, it's going to, if one person goes down or if even the first, the two deep goes down, you still have guys who are third string that can still come in and perform and you don't really feel like you're, you're losing a whole lot. Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, with, with, with that depth there, because uh, I mean, that, that is one, you know, not many benefits from, you know, the injury bug, but that is one of them, right? Yeah. Just, just getting even, even if it is just one game or even if it is just a couple series, that's, that's one game or a couple series that uh, some other players on, you know, other number two or number three players on other programs don't have, you know, so, so by, by, dealing with all that kind of adversity and, and that injury bug um it, it it sets us up well for the future for sure so uh. yeah and 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 mentally too let's not look at the aspect of mentally the how how this can worn down a team or wear down a team you know so i think i think our southern football team is a lot m- more mentally prepared than just about any other team going into this season yeah I agree with that. With with the unknowns and the week from week and it's the everything that kind of happens. You just you know you never know what can change within a week, especially this year. You know, look at everything that's going on. But it's th- I don't think there's a, a team in college football right now that is one mentally tougher than our team and two that is more mentally prepared to go through this season than our Southern team. And and that. That right there puts us head and shoulders above. I think, obviously, everybody in our in our conference, but most all other football teams in the country that are still playing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they just just got the next man up mentality. I, I think is going to come into play here um, for sure, and, and without missing a beat, we'll be able to just go in and, um, like you said, both physically and mentally um, ready. So. Um, I guess, I guess with that, Cody, so we're ready for that playoff football, man. right? So with uh, <laughs> let's um. 12 and 0 baby <laughs> some belt champs number 4 seed going up against Alabama oh, lord um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, uh, you know, who 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 thought Arkansas <laughs> State would be playing a primetime ESPN game on Labor Day weekend? So, uh, who knows? Anything could happen, right? Hey, that's a, that's a great opportunity for them. It now, is. I know Memphis's running backs just just he opted out, and um, if you go and I think he had a, a Twitter post on there that that if you go and look at it, it's very sad. He's lost several family members to COVID. Obviously, he felt compared that he just needs to sit out, and and rightfully so. Um, so thoughts and prayers with him and his teammates, but. In regards to Memphis and Arkansas State, I mean that's this is this is a great matchup. Arkansas or Memphis is coming in, I think, uh, ranked in top twenty, yeah, um, in most polls, if not top fifteen. And I think anybody who who knows college football, especially G five football, knows how talented Arkansas State is this year, especially at quarterback. And they're obviously talented always at wide receiver, and they always seem to have studs on the defensive front. Um, I know they got hit hard last year with their defensive front seven, but they always seem to have players that can that can really play football. So it's it's gonna. I think it should be a, a fun game to watch for sure. Um, and man, if they if if Arkansas State wins, man, you're, you're gonna see a lot of a lot of hype on on Arkansas State. Yeah, no, I mean it's great exposure for them, and it's good exposure for the Sun Belt. I mean, say you know the the game leading up to that is uh, Texas State and SMU. You know. Probably that game is, is you know, is it going to yeah. go quite the same way? But I mean, yeah. but I mean, who you know, who who knows? Who knows? Um, so I mean, it's it, I, I I'm not down on Texas State as most people are. Like I don't think they're going to surprise anybody and win the West. But 
And then we'll get we're getting way ahead of ourselves. We are, yeah. That's that's next, next episode. episode. But I mean, they, they they were my surprise team last year, and they didn't really live up to that. But I'm not saying that I'm going to abandon them this year. I I think yeah. I think that program's growing. I think they've got great resources there, you know, in San Marcos, Texas. And I think uh, you know they've got a good coach, they've got a good staff, um, and obviously they're in a hotbed as as far as recruiting. So I I, I think yeah. you know that that is a program to watch um, there. You if know, they're not going to finish they, first or second. In the no, West, and they finish third. Yes. Yeah, and are they like SMU caliber yet? No, but I mean, it's no. 2020. Anything could happen. So, you know, and it's also week one. So, um, you know, that, that will be a fun game to watch too. It's just good that football's back. It's also good to, that Sunbelt is getting some exposure there, you know, uh, you know, to, to the, um, you know, kind of main mainstay games there on ESPN um, where you normally, you know, you'd have to go search in online to stream it on, you know, ESPN plus ESPN three, something like that. Yeah. Um, so that's, that, that, that is one positive out of this whole thing, you know, um, absolutely is, uh, it's just the exposure that we're going to get. And we'll, we'll talk about that in the next episode of how that may pertain to us, you know, of, of maybe possibilities of getting some more games on, on national TV, you know, and, and, and maybe some games, you know, flipped around and, and with, with times and maybe even days of, of, you know, of what that means, obviously now that only 70 something teams are playing instead of 130. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right now, the athletic has this list as a top 40 team. So no question. We could be in the playoff at the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, that's the teaser for the next episode <laughs> of the season preview, but um, it, it should, I mean, all jokes yeah. aside, if there was a, if there was a team from the group of five that, that could make a legitimate push to, to get into the playoff this year, it's, it, this is the year that it could happen. This is the year that I can yeah, happen. absolutely. I, I and and I think I think even from the Sun Belt, you could see that. I mean, maybe not with us, yeah. but I mean with with an App State, maybe even with the so. Louisiana, if, so. if they just go in. How and, can you not stay with us? How can you not stay with us? Because look, you got Louisiana. Louisiana is going to be a great team. Louisiana may go undefeated, and it wouldn't surprise me one bit. App State. I th- everybody's. On I think. App State I think wagon. the reason I say not us. I mean, obviously, I would love that, but I, I think it's it's the UCF mentality of of a few years ago of of what have you done lately kind of deal, right? So I mean, with unfortunately, I think there is this like unwritten rule with the group of five that if you want to be taken seriously, it's longevity. You have to show you know, success, yeah. sustained success over, you know, several years where you don't have that with the power five. I mean, you can have Notre Dame win one game one year and the next year they win their first five games and they're in the top 25 and or in, in the top 15, right? That yeah. That's just the way it is. Georgia could go winless and then the next year be not, you know, be back in the playoff. Well, I, I think, I think the interesting thing is, is that I think obviously you're probably going to get the SEC champion, Clemson because they're going to be the ACC champion yep. and then whoever the Big 12 champion is, right? So they're probably going to put all three of those teams in. So it's that fourth spot of, well, do you really want to see, you know, the SEC runner-up back in it? Or with two or three losses see, probably at that point. Yeah, with two a or three losses. Yeah, or, or do you have the interesting conversation of, well, let's say you do have an undefeated UCF or undefeated Georgia Southern, you know, that to me – we have we would have quality wins at that point that that would say all right well let's just get you know they 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 in this crazy season they should they should be in that fourth spot. I love your op- I, I love I, don't think I love your optimism. I don't Cody. think it's I, I not hope I hope you take that with you out of the realm. <laughs> now, you, you, apply now. apply that optimism to your day job this week, Cody. I think you're going to get a promotion oh, because that- no, I just need it to be applied to my 
parenting life <laughs> because it has been crazy this week. But um, no, it is a um, but you know, outside of maybe the Big Ten reversing course and trying to start and jump in on the on the party, you know, while they don't get left behind, you know. If they do that, then that obviously throws things out of whack. But if it just stays that these three conferences, then you know I think there's a there's a chance for a group of five team to get in, and why not us? Yeah, I mean I I, I get the argument. I, I I still think that you're gonna just see the same thing that you've seen in the past when when UCF went undefeated. Probably, yeah, probably. Where, where you know they probably. I mean they went you know they were what two two years removed from a winless season and then had I think seven wins that that next year that first year or. Uh, that uh yeah that first year under frost and then they went undefeated and claimed themselves national champions and got left out of the party i think it would be a situation like that with an app you know we can do the same thing with with an app with a ucf (laughs) now that has built kind of that rapport they i think have a much you know uh realistic (laughs) more realistic shot at it um yeah but but i i know i i i will agree with you on the point that if there was ever going to be a year, it's 2020. <laughs> but it's this year, yeah. yeah. But that's still a very small percentage. So um, it is. So with with that, let's uh, let's take it. Um, let's close out this episode and, and go, um, and we'll pick it up next week where we will preview the season as a whole. Kind of talk about some of those matchups, um, those teams that we do play, and in, in those teams like Arkansas State that we don't play that that we definitely should keep an eye on here in the Sun Belt and that we might you know, maybe play in, in the postseason. So with, uh, with that Cody, we'll also preview the, the, the fighting camels of Campbell university. Um, so Matt has tons of useless, facts a lot of useless facts team. there. All, all I could find was useless facts. So <laughs> you have that to look forward to. So Cody, with, with, <laughs> with that, let's pick it up uh, next week and hail Southern. Hail Southern. Thank you for listening to Gotta Talk. Be sure to visit our website, gotatalk.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Gotta Talk Podcast for more news and coverage of Georgia Southern football. Reach out with questions, share your thoughts, or suggest topics on our social media channels or by emailing us at gatatalkpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, Eagle Nation, Gata and Hail Southern. Thank <laughs> you.